Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 498 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for April 22nd, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, mobile messaging gets more confusing. Capcom shows why free-to-play is annoying. And AT&T announces a new streaming service under oath. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, our live stream services on Facebook Live, um, Livestream.com, Mixer, Periscope, Twitch, or YouTube Live, uh, on uh, subscription at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music Podcasts, uh, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the myriad of other podcatchers, or of course on our app, pluggitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There's a couple ways you can do that. As I said, this is F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, the flagship show on the Pluggits Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern for about an hour. The first way you can join us is by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And there you can chat with us in the studio during the show. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them, uh, whether it be um, any of the main topics or the Pilch Point, which this evening we will be talking about the best and worst laptop brands. Um, uh, we want to hear what you have to say. Uh, the best way to do that is uh, either on Mixer on Twitch or on YouTube Live. Those are the places that are easiest for us to follow the chat. Um, if you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can also go to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. There you will see all of our series, including F5 Live and the Pilch Point, as well as um, our special events feed, which uh, next week will begin Collision 2018 from New Orleans. Um, our first look series, which um, the 2017-2018 uh, season just came to an end today with uh, World Championships. Well, I guess almost came to a conclusion with World Championships in Houston ending. And then uh, in two weeks, it'll be in uh, Detroit. And then that'll be the end of the season or any of our other series as well. Um, and I guess with that, Abram, how's your week been? Hey, uh, great. It's been uh, it's been good. It's been very busy. Very, very busy. <laughs> You know, it's a lot, a lot of stuff going at, on at work to get out our best and worst brands uh, story, which we'll be talking about later, and to get up the uh, uh, new new uh, template for some new templates for our uh, our best laptops and best gaming laptops pages. Nice. So, so you know, a lot of uh, a lot of little stuff behind behind the scenes, sure. uh, doing work. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm ready for a really challenging week this coming week. That's for sure. Well, I can certainly appreciate the, uh, the whole, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I've written, I think three different apps this week in an attempt to, uh, to contact companies for collision. So I totally understand that. Yeah. Oh man. So much automate so much to do. Automation is not nearly as automated as people think it is. Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I imagine you've had some interesting response to uh, to the best and worst so far. 
we'll yeah, talk I we'll mean, talk about the details of it later yeah yeah, yeah. i mean always always some interesting responses to that um you know, and this coming week is going to be quite quite the challenge. I won't get to make a big spiel here, but um, if you sign on, if you follow me on social media or anything like that, you may notice, I'm not, again, going to make a big deal out of this, that my uh, my job title is changing um, effective tomorrow. I'm, I'm taking on a slightly different, honestly, I'm taking on a different role. Um, but still uh, a lot of tech reporting uh, where I have been online editorial director. It's weird to be an online editorial director. We don't have, a, you know, when I started, we actually had a print magazine. Print magazine. That's, that's why, hence the title, it never changed. Um, Interesting. Uh, instead of being online editorial director for Laptop Mag and for Tom's Guide, I'm uh, going over at least on an interim basis to be uh, editor-in-chief of Tom's Hardware. Uh, starting tomorrow so starting monday uh so uh tom's hardware for those who don't know uh the difference we have tom's guide and we have tom's hardware tom's guide is our consumer tech brand cover mainstream consumer electronics um and really targeted at you know really people of all people of you know if you're a regular mainstream consumer Tom's Guide is great for you. And then we have Tom's Hardware, which is an enthusiast tech site. And we at Tom's Hardware, we do a lot of, of really in-depth in reviews of things like CPUs and motherboards and power supplies. Um, so I've been, um, I've been asked to take over and try and help that brand, um, help that brand, you know, grow and, and become a, you know, even more powerful publication for the 20, 2020s or whatever. <laughs> uh, so wherever we're heading into. Uh, so, you know, at least uh, on an interim basis, and I hope it will, and I hope it won't be interim. So please visit the site and, and make sure that it doesn't, so we get, so we get some visitors. Um, you know, I'm going to do my best to help them. I'm very excited. We have some really great experts there and, and uh, my goal is to make that site, to make Tom's Hardware, to help to help everyone there, make it an even more accessible and appealing place for for enthusiasts. So, you know, I think we'll obviously continue our bread and butter component reviews, but I'm hoping that we'll get into some other coverage areas that will attract a whole new audience of people. Uh, you know, get into doing things like. Raspberry Pi and Arduino maker stuff, you know, um, we, we will be doing a lot more reviews of finished, uh, pre-built computers, whereas now they don't really do many laptop and desktop reviews, gotcha. mainly do the components. So, um, you know, it's a big challenge ahead for sure. Um, this is a very storied brand, been around for 22 years. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm very honored to be given the opportunity, uh, but, you know, I'm not going to spend a long time talking about a hey, my job changed because I got a job to do. <laughs> but right, uh, right. But uh, just just so people aren't, you know, if I get too too busy uh, patting myself on the back for being the interim editor. Oh no. Uh oh. Well, we haven't had this happen in a couple of weeks, but apparently this is Abrams' momentary pause. Oh, good, he's back. 
Okay. Yes. My, my, my chip. So all I said was, you know, I'm not, um, just letting everybody know I'm not making a big deal out of it. Cause if I spend too much time patting myself on the back for getting a, for, for this, then interim editor in chief is all I will be. So I, there's a lot of work to be done and, you know, I, um, I gotta, you know, return the confidence that our, uh, our management has shown in me by helping, helping grow this, grow this website. So anyway, uh, but I love anyone who is a listener here, who is a watcher here of F5 Live. I would love to hear from you about what you would like to see out of Tom's hardware. Have you been, have, are you a reader? You know, what, what, what can we do for you? Well, how can we make it better for you? I certainly have some many ideas, but I'd like to hear, but I'd like to hear other people's. Sure. So obviously I'm at the same social media places I've always been. You can tweet me at geek and chief at geek and chief and uh, let's talk about it. Awesome. Well, hopefully we can create a, a conversation there because as you know, Avram, I have always been a big fan of Tom's hardware and I am so excited that, uh, that you're taking over the reins over there. I think that's so exciting. Uh, I know you and I have talked about it a little bit and I'm, I'm so excited. So. Yeah, me, me too. I, I just, you know, I, the last couple of weeks, uh, although my official officially start tomorrow, I mean, I've been in the office with these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they sit right behind me. So I, I've been dealing with them already about, you know, a third of the day every day. Got it. So, uh, you know, just tomorrow when the people from laptop ask me for help, I'm going to have to tell them no, or, or like, sorry, you know, I'll help you later. So right. any, anyway, that's, I mean, that's about the, sure. the fact that I just have to, you know, I'm going to move my desk, like, a, like two feet away, like five <laughs> feet away to the other side of the, uh, of the cube row. To, uh, <laughs> And that will be it. Um, but uh, anyway, that's I'm, pretty funny. You know, I'm excited to be to be working with some really great people and to have a really great enthusiast audience that I hope to help grow. Absolutely. Well, we are looking forward to see uh, what happens over there. And as you know, our audience is is here to to help you, however they can. And with that, let's get into some. Uh, News of the week. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a laptop or a tablet or a phone, uh, mixed reality, virtual reality, uh, or apps for your devices, it is available at the Microsoft Store with a number of deals going on right now, including saving up to $400 on uh, select laptops, desktops, and gaming PCs, getting a free game if you buy a new Xbox, uh, getting a Surface laptop uh, starting at $699, which is $100 off right now, um, and a whole lot more. Uh, and you can find all of those deals by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. Okay, so let's talk about chat. 
it's a it's a topic, Abram, that you and I have discussed a number of times with acquisitions and stuff, and our our own confusion with the bizarre growth of the industry uh, and the very high valuation of the services in the industry. It always seems surprising when one of them gets purchased um, because it seems like everybody is able to make a, a chat or messaging service and grow its audience quickly. Almost. <laughs> the exception of course is Google. is Google, right? <laughs> they have tried a painful number of times. Um, there was Google Talk and a service called Google Chat. There was there's Google Hangouts, which was neutered in favor of Google LO. And uh, part of its features went that way and part of its features went to YouTube. And at this point, it's almost a valueless brand. And then there's Google LO, which never gained any traction <laughs> with anybody. Uh, and so Google Talk, I believe, is gone. Google Chat's been gone for eons. Um, Hangouts is still hanging on. Google Hello, officially this week, um, is being abandoned in favor of another product called Chat. Not Google Chat. That one's gone. This is just called Chat. Now, let's talk about what Chat is. Chat is um, a rich communication system platform that they have been working with carriers. So in this case, they've already got support behind it before they announced it officially, which is a huge change for them. Um, and the idea is SMS can only do so much. MMS can only do so much. And... You've got services like Facebook Messenger and iMessage that have, you know, game capability and animation and all this stuff in it that SMS and MMS simply don't support. And so uh, RCS, which is the 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 back the the standard that chat runs on, um, is the goal. It's the the Integrator. So whether you have, you know, a, a Samsung on Verizon or you've got a Motorola on Sprint, it won't matter. You'll be able to have those types of features. And chat is the the Google powered backbone to make that happen. They've worked with almost every major carrier, and by major, and I mean globally. Um, and by major, I mean in the U.S. Um, the big four are on board, but if you're on U.S. Cellular, sad story, uh, they're not interested at all. So nothing, nothing Google can do about that. Now, here's the thing that I find interesting about chat. It has one uh, major competitor in the market that is also owned by Google. They also, they bought and rebranded a, a platform called Google Jibe, which is what Sprint uses right now. Sprint is the only U.S. carrier to fully support uh, RCS today, um, and they do it on Google's backbone. But 
now they have a second one, theoretically to do with the same thing. What is happening in that company? So here's what I don't understand, and you know I should probably know more about this, but for the benefit of our audience, sure. Does this work over the SMS communication no. channel? No. So it's an app. Um, no. It is okay. to be integrated, um, just like SMS, right? For SMS to work on a device, the device has to know about it. Um, but all devices since about 2002 have supported it um, in one way or another, at least in North America. I don't know when it was implemented elsewhere. But in North America, 2002 is about when all devices had it built in. Um, but it required the device to know about it, and that's when you could guarantee that it did. Uh, this would require the device to know about it, but since it and, and it's a network level platform. Um, so uh, 54, I believe, of the major manufacturers of devices worldwide um, have all said they're ready to go. Once the networks can support it, we are ready to do it. Um, Android's messaging app has supported it uh, natively for several years. Um, and um, if I'm not mistaken, Palm's messaging app supported it too, but there were no networks in the U.S. that supported it at the time. Because the, the, the standard, the RCS standard is a decade old today. Um, it's been around for a very long time, longer than iMessage and Facebook Messenger have had these features. Uh, this, this standard's been in place. So basically, once the networks switch it on uh, and implement it on their end, using this, this chat, not Google chat, but chat, um, most Android devices that are out in the wild today will be able to do it natively. Just good to go, let's do it. So you won't, uh -huh. you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to do it on a Windows phone, um, simply because they haven't. I don't think they've implemented it, um, and you won't be able to do it on uh, an iPhone because, at least up front, because they're trying to support their own technology versus an open technology. It's the thing that they believe makes the iMessage succeed. So why would you, what makes this significantly better than just having an app, a third-party app like Facebook Messenger? So it's a, it's a valid question um, because there is one glaring omission in this technology and in this standard. It's not, it's not Google's implementation of it that's a problem. It's the technology as a whole. Since it's network, uh, network implemented, it means that there is uh, no end-to-end -end encryption. So, just like SMS, anything you send is easily uh, either requestable by the government or uh, easily uh, so, Wi-Fi wi sniffed. So this sounds worse than a third-party app. Why? I just don't understand why somebody would want it. I mean, you can exchange messages with people now on a variety of, of apps. I don't know that this is a an improvement like that's the one thing that you could say about sms is that every single phone in the world supports it right so if you know somebody's phone number mm -hmm. you can send them an sms right but this you'd have to know that they're what network whether their carrier supported it 
maybe their carrier doesn't you know by, and, and by the do you need to know their phone number yes that's it'll work just like sms um it works only not for everyone well by the end of 2018 all of north america all four of the the major carriers will have it implemented um us cellular says they have no interest in it so you know the 18 people okay. who are in us cellular but, who but, knows? but wait a second what about cricket what about what about cricket um, cricket is owned by at&t and runs on at&t's network I understand, but sometimes with these ones that are owned and that are owned and operated, these I don't know what you call them, discount carriers, they don't necessarily always get all the features that the the parent has. Right. So uh, th- this I would wouldn't not, take it for granted. Uh, the all of all of the the major MVNO owners, um, uh, AT and T and T Mobile and Sprint in particular, um, have said that their MVNOs will all support. Uh, it'll the towers support it. The technology will be there. Okay. So, but basically, it'll just be U.S. cellular that's out in the out in the cold in the in North America. I mean, so I guess this is improvement on text messaging only. I'm not sure that right. text messaging is the best is the best form of messaging right, right. now. Like. Right. I, I guess it's the most intrusive, so you can you can guarantee that like you can reach someone if you have their phone number, whereas right. other things they may not be logged on twenty four seven. Although most of the apps are logged on, if even if you like it or not, like sure. I don't know about you, but my phone is. I mean, I turned the the alert part of it off because it's too annoying. But my phone, I'm getting alerts off. I mean, I turned the buzz and sounds off because uh-huh. they're too annoying. But you know, I have Skype. I have. I have Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, at at work, we use HipChat, uh, and then I have SMS, and then of course there's email. So I have like and multiple email accounts. Uh-huh. So there's at least six or seven different ways on my phone to people to to contact me, like yep. Yep. fairly instantaneously. I'm not really sure that we're lacking ways to do that. Agreed. And the the idea that it that something like Facebook Messenger is end-to-end encrypted, uh, WhatsApp is end-to-end encrypted, uh, Signal, Telegram, even iMessage from Apple. Apple's proprietary version of this concept is encrypted end-to-end, but but RCS will not be, just like SMS, just like MMS. And since no. it and since it runs over uh, over your network connection, if you're on an unsecured network connection it might still be able to be sniffed out of the air. Now, is this going to replace your SMS client on your phone or um, be part B in it? Just like, just like um, iMessage on the iPhone, you, it'll be seamless. You won't know when it's going over SMS or when it's going over um, RCS. Now, granted on the iPhone, you technically do because the, the chat bubble color changes if it's, SMS or, or iMessage, but um, it's it's all in one place. It's all handled through the phone number. It's there's not an account you have to set up. There's not another app you have to have. Um, the the Android SMS app, the text app, has supported RCS for several years already um, because it's been implemented. Well, implemented on Sprint in the U.S. and um, the last I looked. Uh, it looked like there were about eight other carriers that have it fully implemented 
uh, globally. So now, it'll be it'll be seamless to your your existing texting thing. Now, see, here's an interesting question, and this is this is actually like a social question more sure. so than a technical one. So, thinking about this a little bit as we're talking about it, okay, there are things that you use your SMS for that you don't use your Facebook Messenger for. And let's be honest, Facebook Messenger and, and, and WhatsApp and all those are owned by a company, whereas these are sort of more of an open standard, so you don't have to, like, sign up. But the downside of not having to sign up, so the plus is you're not, like, relying on a company, I guess, unless that company is your cell phone provider or Google, right. but it's like an open right. SMS is, you know. Like because it's, if, it's, if Verizon wanted to not, if, if Verizon wanted to not go with with chat, they wanted to do another implementation. They could. It's yeah. It's absolutely right. an open thing, and it nobody would know that anything happened. Right. Uh, but the thing there is that it's interesting, like how we use the different chats in our in our life, right? Like so, for example, uh, SMS. I get um, for my son's school. They have my phone number and they send me SMS messages every time something happens with the school. Sure. Right? Snow day, whatever. Mm -hmm. They also call, which is annoying. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, every now and then it could be something really important. Sure. But, you know, when they called at four in the morning to tell me school was canceled, I was both, uh, I was more annoyed than uh, happy for the uh, update. <laughs> I could have waited for it to read the text. But sure. anyway, um, the point is like the school has my phone number. But the school is not a friend of mine on Facebook. Right. Right. Like, and it wouldn't be. Right. So, you know, when the doctor, like, wants to remind me of an appointment or something, I get that on SMS. So I feel like things that are, like, official go over SMS and now probably this RCS because they're tied to my phone number. On the flip side, I don't want every bozo that I'm friends with on Facebook having my phone number. Right. Now, is that weird? Because someone could try to call you on Facebook. Sure. On Messenger, and yeah. it would ring or somehow, although I could disable that. But it's like, I guess, sort of a hierarchy of, like, who's in the circle of trust, so to speak. Fair enough. And you can and you can change your, your like, your, your privacy settings, your who can call you on Facebook if you want yeah. to. But with yeah, so the phone with, number, anyone can call you yeah, or, or message you. Exactly. I was going to say with SMS or RCS, anybody could could initiate that contact. Right. So I guess it's I don't know. I guess there's 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 points to both. But I think what's going what one of the things that makes Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and all those work is because I think, well, I don't know about WhatsApp, but for most of them, you you don't have to give anybody your phone number. They need your username. Right. Your username so, or your real name. So, you know, I guess there's still something about like, hey, I don't want to just give all these people my phone number. And I can't I can't blame them. Right. You know? It's it's definitely interesting. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if when this comes out, anybody cares. Because is your messaging client the place where you want stickers or whatever, like <laughs> has Apple been 
successful with this? Like, do people care? I don't know anybody who uses any of that stuff in iMessage. So is this a lot of work for nothing? Or is there a segment of the population who's excited that they don't have to just play games in Facebook Messenger? I, I legitimately don't know. Uh, it will definitely be fascinating to... Uh, to see at the end of the year when the four networks have this rolled out and basically all the Android phones out there will support it if anybody cares. Maybe there's some application to it that's more interesting than, than we know. Yeah, that I have to assume there is, um, but I haven't figured it out. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head right now, the Monster DNAs, my normal headphones, the Monster Elements, and a variety of other headphones, including the all-new um, uh, Monster Airlink Elements True Wireless Earbuds, which I have seen, I have experienced, they are fantastic. Um, but if you're not looking for headphones, maybe you're looking for speakers, they've got the the S100 to the big S400 and of course the Monster Blaster and all of the power and cables to connect those and all of your other devices are available at uh, pilchpoint.live slash monster. So, our favorite, our favorite uh, piece of the year came out this week. Yep, so... At Laptop Mag, every year for the last, I don't know, around 10 years, we've been uh, doing the best and worst laptop brands. We uh, look up the, we look at the top 10, you know, most popular brands, the ones that are coming out with the majority of the notebooks. And we do, uh, and we look and we grade them. Uh, they get grades like in school up to, you know, from zero to 100. Uh, and they get graded on uh, five criteria. Reviews, design. Now, reviews meaning how well their their product scored on our reviews the whole the previous 12 months. So that's a big factor, as it should be. Design, support and warranty, innovation, and value and selection. So uh, we grade them to, you know, see who's the best and who's the worst. And... I want to preface this by saying uh, the best brand has some clunker laptops and the worst brand, one of the two brands that's tied for uh, last place is, uh, is actually, um, is actually uh, makes some really fantastic products, but has, has some weaknesses and support. So I'm not, we're not saying don't buy something from a brand because it, it scored low or do buy something from a brand just because it's scored high. This is this is merely kind of a snapshot uh, of, of how they're doing. So Lenovo is once again, for the second year in a row, number one, uh, because primarily on the strength of really strong reviews from really strong products, like the ThinkPad X1 Carbon and the Yoga 920, um, two-in-one, they did really, you know, got, they got, 10 editor's choice awards throughout the year, which is more than uh, three more than, the, than their nearest competitor. Um, and uh, 
53% of their of the laptops from Lenovo we reviewed, and we reviewed a lot of them, uh, scored four stars or higher. So that's that's a good rating. Uh, so Lenovo is number one. Uh, HP by just one point less, uh, and a nail biter uh, is number two, and Dell is number three. Um, so the uh, and at the bottom of our list, uh, MSI and Samsung uh, are tied for tenth place. Uh, now that's really kind of unfair to MSI because they actually make some really great stuff. They're they did very poorly on the tech support showdown. They had some real issues with their web web support and their phone support, and that's a shame uh, because they actually make some really good products. I mean, they've some really good gaming notebooks. They've been uh-huh. they didn't get as many editor's choices as others, but they they make some good stuff. I wouldn't I wouldn't discount them, uh, but they're really hurt by their support. Samsung, on the other hand, uh, which my colleague Sheree Smith has written an article about. Uh, she says Samsung should just stop making the laptops, and uh, I tend to agree. Uh, Samsung has been phoning it in for on 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 laptops for years. Uh, their stuff is more is often more expensive and less attractive than competitors. I mean, their Chromebooks are okay, but any of their PC uh, notebooks are two in ones. Uh, so eh, not. They have good tech support, though, but that only gets you so far. So, right. uh, uh, so they so they did not they did not do very well. Um, as I said, um, in the middle of the pack, we have Acer and Asus, Microsoft, uh, Razer, and Apple, which is all the way down to seventh place. Uh, two uh, for the first several years we did this, Apple was always number one. Uh, last year they were in fifth. And this year they've dropped to seventh. Uh, it's happened because Apple's just not innovating, and you know their laptops are stuck in a time warp. And every change that they've made to their laptops is less and less user friendly. Mm-hmm. So they took a keyboard that people were good at typing on, and they made it, and they took the travel away to make it a little bit thinner. Uh, their their audience is is creative professionals who need to plug in all kinds of devices. And they they took the USB ports away, you know. Uh, people wanted professional video editors want to edit on Mac, but there are no 4K panels on Mac on Mac laptops. So there's just a lot of a lot of issues with Apple. It seems like their their attention and their commitment is elsewhere, um, which is strange because they have plenty of money. You know, they're a very successful company. They could do a lot more. Uh, with their PC business, if they wanted to, uh, but I, I I feel almost like they're kind of like, well, we're gonna we're gonna make these changes to the to your laptop, whether you like it or whether anyone likes it or not. Uh, and there definitely are diehards that will stay with Apple because they like macOS, they're used to it. Uh, but um, you know, our ratings compare the brands. We don't you know, we don't give them props for uh, having been good in the past. So um, right. So they continue to fall. Like you said, snapshot in time. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, each of these brands could do things to move higher uh, or move higher or fall lower uh, in, you know, in next year's ratings. I mean, Lenovo actually did better last year than this. Their support declined 
uh, year over year. They did worse in our tech support showdown. Um, Dell is like kind of a tale of two brands. One Dell is one Dell is the Dell that makes the XPS line and the Alienwares, which are fantastic and and get great scores. And then there's the other side of Dell that makes uh, that makes the Inspirons. I mean, I don't know if they're actually two divisions, but right, it's, right. it's like it's like the, when you look at the quality of the products, it's like they came from different companies because the uh, a lot of the Inspirons are just really um, weak entries. They have you know mediocre build quality, dim screens, poor keyboards, uh, just a lot of a lot of issues uh, with the Inspirons. I mean, there are a couple that are that are okay, uh, but and and several that we think are you know middling like three star products but you know they're just it just seems like Dell is not putting the effort into its mainstream stuff we're not talking about like the $300 notebooks here that you would expect to be you know low end we're talking about like you know 6 7 800 laptops that are you know that have stiffed keyboards and dim screens i mean Dude, the average uh, laptop sells between the average laptop selling price is like four hundred twenty-five dollars. Uh-huh. So if you have laptops that are six, seven hundred dollars, and they're they're really subpar, like that's more than most people are willing to spend already. So already, so you know, you know, we we got to uh, plug. You know, they got they they would really benefit from stepping up their game if their Inspirons were like. 25% as good as like the XPS, then they might be number one. Plus there's the, there's the bizarre scenario that interestingly fits more into Tom's hardware than Tom's guide. But, uh, um, it, uh, Dell is known for having these super custom hardware components in their laptops that make maintaining the drivers difficult. Uh, you know when when Microsoft puts out the the update whenever it comes out in a couple of weeks, you can all but guarantee that that especially the the lower end Dells when they get the update, their video drivers are going to have a problem. We we've experienced it ourselves with our own hardware. We've watched um, some of our development computers that were Dells. Every time a new update comes out, the uh, the laptop starts to blue screen. Until Dell fixes the video driver. So, uh, you know, but nevertheless, uh, they place third because they have some fantastic stuff. Uh, I mean, the XPS 13 mm-hmm. is, our, is is laptop's favorite laptop. It's mm-hmm. favorite laptop overall. The Alienware 17 is our favorite gaming laptop overall. So there's some, some really uh, high highs and, and low lows uh, there. Um you know, so and HP has some really fantastic premium products and some uh, okay uh, mid-range products. Mm-hmm. So uh, and Lenovo, the same thing. I mean, although Lenovo does have some pretty good budget systems. Now, of course, the two companies, and I'll just close with this, that give you the most bang for your buck uh, by far are Acer and Asus. Uh, if you're looking for an inexpensive system. Acer and Asus usually give you more for your money than anybody else, uh, like especially Acer. You, I mean, 
there's, you know, you can get an Acer. Now, this, mind you, this is not like a, a beautiful looking laptop, but you can get an Acer E15, their 15 inch plasticky laptop with a 1080p screen, a Core i5 HN processor, a 256 gig SSD, 8 gigs of RAM, and NVIDIA MX150 graphics for 600 bucks. And the screen, while not super bright, is has you know like over a hundred percent color gamut, so it's not a terrible screen. So, you know, it's not like other companies can't give you a lot for your money. Or like Asus has their um, 403NA, which gives you like an aluminum, uh, you know, a beautiful aluminum chassis for like, you know, four hundred bucks. Uh -huh. So. You know, it's not like things have to be cheaply made if they're inexpensive. Right. Yeah, That, and that's, that's an important thing to remember is, you know, is that the, the aluminum one, that's the one that we had on the show a while back? I think so. Yeah, I thought so. I, I also brought an Acer on, I believe, that was aluminum for three, uh, the Acer Spin 1. Oh, which yeah. is three hundred twenty nine dollars. Now that's like one of the best deals in tech, mind you. The processor is just like a Pentium, so you're not don't expect great performance from it. But you're getting a two in one with a beautiful IPS display, really nice, like nicer than on thousand dollar laptops. You and you're getting you know a two in one with a pen, and it's all metal for for three twenty nine. And actually, I think recently I saw that on sale for two ninety nine. So, you know. That's good. On the other hand, you know, it's unfortunately there's not a way to spend like another two hundred bucks on it and get like the good processor, right? And, you know, a better better storage. Uh, but you know, the uh, I mean, it's 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 just interesting that like companies can make things inexpensive, good good stuff inexpensive if they want to. You may not get like the top components, but you can certainly get something that's well made. Sure. Um, my mom recently got a, uh, kind of two in one really inexpensive. It's not, you know, high end, but nice little device. So, uh, obviously there's a lot more detail to this, uh, in the, the final write up, right? Oh yes. So please check it out and go to laptopmag.com. You go to www.laptopmag.com. It'll you'll find it on the homepage. Uh, we promote it heavily because it's our our biggest story of the year. So uh, come check it out. And in addition to the the breakdowns, the the summary, there's a an individual for each. It's a there's a report card for each of the ten brands. Yeah. So you can um, you can see our a detailed explanation of why. Microsoft got 77 out of 100, or Asus got 81. Very cool. Well, as you know, it's I I love that you guys do this. It's a huge. It's it's a lot of information that consumers should have before they go buy. Yes, uh, that's 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 our hope. So um, please please check it out. Well, I always appreciate you bringing the details of this, and um, 
obviously, as far as the pilch point is concerned, we've got a little bit of time before the next episode, which works out because that'll give you a little bit of time to uh, to ease into Tom's hardware and bring us an interesting story when we get back. For sure. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Uh, all the gaming accessories you need to up your game on PC or console are available from Razer. Whether you're looking for a new mouse, a new keyboard, or a gaming laptop, I know Razer wasn't wasn't scored. That's okay. They also make some really great gaming laptops and you can save up to $730 right now on select Razer Blade laptops by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. Now, we've talked about... Did you say Razer wasn't scored? I thought... They actually actually are in our our roundup. Are they? Oh, they are. They are on there. I thought they weren't. Oh. I'm sorry, nope. my bad. They are scored. Um, anyway, uh, my bad. Sorry about that. Um, so we've talked about this a little bit in the past, and we'll talk about it again today because uh, games as a service is an interesting uh, situation. And if you don't know what games as a service is, it's the um, it's the kind of new gaming model where even if you're playing a single-player game that does not interact with anything off of your device, you have to have an always-on connection because there's some store where you can buy things or whatever. Um, and Avram and I have talked about the problems that that creates every time this particular situation happens. Um, and let's talk about the situation. Puzzle Fighter, which is a reboot of a classic 90s game, uh, came to mobile in November, and um, it owns both... It owns? No. It uh, contains both a single-player and a multiplayer component, and uh, people were really excited when the game came out, and um, it's going to be gone probably by the time you uh, see this show, because it the uh, the store is going to close, well, as of where we are right now in reality, in about two hours, <laughs> on Monday, April 23rd. The store will shut down, and by July 31st, the servers will shut down, which means all of the game will go away. Now, what does that mean for people who have been playing it and maybe have spent money on things in the game? QQ. It's, uh, the game will shut down, and even if you've bought stuff, even if you want to play single player, as of right now, you will not be able to. Um, there is no talk of a patch to allow, um, uh, single player. There's no talk of unlocking the unlockables. There is no talk of open sourcing the server 
so that somebody else could keep the game going. Uh, it will just be gone. Obviously, it's not the first time we've seen this. Um, we here at Plunkets Live kind of famously raged when EA shut down uh, Playfish and with it uh, SimCity Social, uh, which was another very popular game that people spent real money on and then the rug was pulled out from under them with no warning. And that's the annoyance and the danger of these games as a service services. Um, and interestingly, we uh, we actually had a guest uh, guest author, a lawyer, who wrote an article for us. Um, I think it got published right around CES time this year. That was all about the the um, possible expansion of uh, of a law whose name I can't remember now that might make it possible or legal to uh, open up existing software that has been abandoned to disable this type of thing, which I think is interesting. So, so, so what, what do you, what do you think, Abram? Is this, is this happening? Does it seem like it's happening more? It's going to happen, right? It's going to keep, ha how many years was this open before they shut it? Um, by the time, when it shuts down, it will have been open eight months. So not even a year. No. As of, as of when the store shuts down, it will have been open just shy of five months. So, so, you know, it's, you're taking a gamble when you buy things in game and that's, that's messed up. You know, that's, that's a problem, right? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of would like to see more full disclosure of this kind of stuff. Uh, I like, I'm not sure that we could stop companies from like having things that are server dependent, but I'd like that are, you know, cloud dependent, yeah. but I'd like that to be fully disclosed. Sure. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a place somewhere in the, the, you know, you know, the TOS, uh, that, that, that says that, but I mean, like it should be really upfront. Like, okay, when you buy stuff, FYI, this entire like how much of this game would work if we shut down tomorrow um i also think by the way that that should be done with hardware as well right like there's you know i've seen a number of devices over the years that like had to call home to the company's servers in order to work and you know it's you gotta wonder like what happens when the company decides it doesn't want to support them anymore Right, absolutely. Um, I am currently looking at the listing, in particular, the listing for this game, uh, in the uh, in the store, and there is now a disclaimer at the top that says that you won't be able to re-download it after July first, and that it'll stop being playable on July thirty-first. But I do not see anything in its description that that says anything of use. Right. So now they're telling. But here's the thing. Now they're telling you now that they're shutting down. What I would like to see is yeah. 
upfront from the day the game launches, whether success or failure, uh, they they somewhere they tell you this game this game depends on the cloud yep. to run or this game depends on the cloud to run these features. Yep. So here's here's a great example, right? My, my uh, we kind of played through most of it, so we haven't played it in a while. But my son and I, for a while, were really into playing Disney Infinity. Yes. Uh, right. So Disney, really fun game. Uh, we were playing on our PlayStation. Now we, when we bought it, it had already shut shut down. But we knew, as my friend who had it told told me, and you know, we saw that the servers didn't work. That like, this game still works. You just don't get some of the cool features. Like, sure. you know, one of the really cool features was uh, when the game was working was you could download like levels that other people created. Okay. And now you can't, now you can't do that, but you can play through the levels that, that it comes with and you can, um, you know, make your own levels just for yourself. I was going to say the uh, map but, maker probably still worked. It was just the map sharing that didn't. Right. Right. Gotcha. But, you know, who has, we, we don't have the time to make a really good game for just for ourselves to play it. But, right. Um, you know, but but like, you know, there's a lot of cool features of the game. The game works really well on, like with the pre-levels, great. But I, I would like to see some kind of explainer like that for every game. Like, if we go out of business, these are the features that'll work and these are the features that won't. Like, uh, like for example, uh, look at the people who got Pebble. So now they they fixed it, right? So that Pebble will work somewhat. Did that did that actually happen? We're talking about the the smartwatches. Pebble watch. Yeah. Yeah, Pebble watch. Right. So yeah, I I think I think basically the the thing that they put out was that this basically when everything shuts down, you won't be able to add new capabilities to it, but it should in some way, shape, or form continue to at least function. Right, so like, there's stuff like that, but then there are other pieces of hardware that are completely disabled, can't do anything. Uh huh. You know, so you now you have a brick, and I think people should know that up front because they should know what they're investing in. Sure, I think that's a great idea, um, and maybe if there's not, if the market's not interested in doing it, maybe somebody else might be interested in in doing it. Maybe putting together a Wikipedia style. Uh, thing for it uh because yeah it's it's good information to have people should I think you have a right to know yeah i agree uh we I sold mean, sort of like go ahead i was just sort of like you know there are these there's i think forget what advocacy group is advocating for a right to repair uh-huh you know i would advocate this is really simple for companies a right to know the cloud dependency yeah it's it's a good idea um yeah uh, we sold a product um, when I was with Radio Shack. Um, I don't even remember what it was, but I remember that their logo was purple. And I know, I know that there were features on it that were not dependent on anything. But as soon as the service shut down, the device had to call home. So as soon as the service shut down, even the things that weren't dependent on anything stopped working, which was a real killer. Um, I've got a small box of the devices around here somewhere. Cause I was always hoping that maybe I could get another operating system on it and use it for something else, but it never worked. <laughs> you might be amazed at how much stuff is here in the office with that intention that never weren't, 
would never went anywhere. I thought it would be a really great um, soundboard app for the desk. Anyway, um, yeah. So, but we before they announced that they were going to shut down, I never would have guessed that the that the FM radio capability would stop working when the the thing went away. It was bizarre. Uh, so yeah, yeah a- absolutely. I think that's something that that should be uh, should be public information. Uh, but unfortunately, currently it's not. We will continue to see this problem. Uh, in general, some people it annoys beyond belief, such as myself. Some people have just accepted that that's the way that, in this particular case, gaming works today. That sometimes you spend $60 retail on a AAA title, and uh, it is very quickly abandoned Evolve. Uh, That one one angered people. Um, But, you know, you've got games like Evolve that are abandoned quickly. You've got the, the, I guess I can't quite call it the new game from... Cliffy B, because it's officially been abandoned like an hour after it was released, uh, that had in-store, in in-app purchases, and oh well. It's, I, I think, I think the, uh, the campaign that the, that our guest author in January wrote about, um, is, is one way to deal with it, where if the company is unwilling to allow you to keep using a thing that you paid money for, you have the ability to use the thing that you paid money for. Um, I think that's an interesting way of solving it, and in the short term might be the solution. But I think if we're at least warned, this game, yeah, this game has a uh, single player feature. But if we shut down the servers, single player is going too. That I think that's information we should have before we make a purchase. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you because that's what they do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to Fairy King of R. Can't make these things up. They've got a little bit of everything. The way it usually works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3. Uh, on your computer or on your phone and play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to live and laugh. From time to time, they mix it up and they do a live show in theaters nationwide. Their next one is uh, on Thursday, June 14th at 7 p.m. It will be Space Mutiny uh, in theaters nationwide. Um, And they run deals right now. The deal is $2 off on... Another one you couldn't have made up. Zindi the Swamp Boy. I don't know what to do about this. $2 off uh, right now. A new one will come out next week. To find the deals, to find out what theaters are available for uh, Rift Tracks Live, or to find the movies and shorts that you can watch right now, you can go to f5live.tv slash with an X. Last week we talked about privacy 
for obvious reasons. Um, and we discussed the uh, a special version of privacy, and that's child privacy, in which there is a law called COPA, um, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, I think. And it was enacted in, what do we say, 92 and uh, revised in 2015 or something like that. And I think it was later than 92. 98 and 2012. Yes, I remember it came out when I was working at about.com. That's right. I knew there was a two. I couldn't remember if it was the 90 or the 10. (laughs) Uh, it It was enacted in 98, revised in 2012, and it says that uh, any child, which is defined as 12 or younger, um, cannot have their behavior um, or any data tracked or transmitted to a third party without parental permission. Last week, we discussed that uh, YouTube uh, does this not because they focus on kids, which is part of a requirement of the law, um, but... They claim that because YouTube knows that children under 13 are using it, they're violating it. That'll be an interesting um, fight. But because of everything that happened with Facebook, I don't know why it was Facebook that triggered it, not Equifax, but whatever. With everything that happened with Facebook, I guess we're more interested in you know, people finding out that we like Gordon Ramsay than what our credit score is. Um, there's been a lot of talk about privacy again, which, as Abram and I have have said a number of times, uh, whatever it takes <laughs> to get the topic in people's heads again is is whatever is good. So, uh, a an interesting report came out this week that um, took a little bit of AI and a little bit of computer automation and turned it into a search of 5,855 of the most popular child-targeted or family-friendly apps in Google Play. Obviously, doing it in Google Play is way easier than doing it in the Apple App Store because Google Play is a way more open platform. And so what they did was they watched um, traffic in the apps to look for violations and boy did they find them so uh there's a number of number of types of data that that apps transmit right there's um advertising information there's um physical location um there is um like crash and analytics and most of that stuff goes to third parties. Even technically, even an app by Google does everything through doubleclick.net, which technically is a third party, um, even though it's a wholly owned subsidiary. So what they found was that um, while the Android advertising ID, which is a user regeneratable number, is the way Google requires advertisers to track data in general was not being used, especially in children's apps um, and device hardware was being used instead. Um, A number of apps were tracking physical location without permission, including 
Where's My Water Free from Disney um, was tracking and uh, transmitting to a third party uh, physical location, which when you take into consideration that one is explicitly targeted to children is a little creepy. Um, and many of the APIs that these companies were sending data to explicitly forbid what they were doing. So not only were they violating, potentially violating COPA, they were also violating the terms of service of the companies that they're transmitting the data to in the first place, which is fascinating. Uh, it ought to be easier. I think I could be wrong here, but I think that Google Play used to have the ability to actually restrict permissions by app for things like location. But now you either accept the app or you don't. Mm -hmm. is that is that or is there a way around it again? I think the current version, that's the way it works. I think I think it's an all or nothing kind of scenario, right. which which I get sort of because from a developer's like pro, from yeah. my standpoint, I understand it having right, to having to wrap every call in a in an if then or a, a try catch that right, would slow exactly. everything down. Right, because like, oh, I want to assume that this permission is there, but now I can't right. because because it might not be and then my app will crash or something like that because it'll it, it's looking for it mm -hmm. uh, of course the the right solution is don't do it in the first place now um i mean don't there's no there's no justification for that right i mean part of the problem though is like I, i'll run i you know at uh, google apps and they'll like want hey i want access to your file system and and I'll enable it because I'm like there must be some reason, and a lot of times there is. Right. But you know, you definitely have to be critical about it. Yeah. So I mean, it would be good. You know, transparency is really the key. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, although if you're having kids install it, they're not going to spend the time thinking about that. Right. You know. So I think, you know. For something to be a kid's app, it should not allow that. Right. And then maybe the thing to do, I don't know if there is a way to do this in, in Android, but if there is, that would be a great story. Could you, so first of all, you can turn off location services, can you not? For the device? Yeah, for yes. the device, right? Yes. So if, you, if it's a child's device, why don't you just turn that off? Like... So, um, so here's the thing that's interesting about that right there. There are third-party services that all you have to do is send the Wi-Fi name and uh, MAC address, which can be retrieved with a different permission, and they will geolocate for you. See, that's what I was wondering about because, yeah, if, you, if they have an alternate means to get it... Mm -hmm. But here's my question. That's that's what Disney's doing in in uh, the Where's My Water app. So then, even if they weren't so they don't even need to request location permission because they're getting location information through other means, right? Correct. Well, maybe Google Play shouldn't be giving your MAC address and Wi-Fi network. Uh, sure, I. <laughs> 
totally agree on that. Or it should be an ex, uh, its own kind of explicit, um, like admin level app permission. permission. Yeah, <clears throat> because you know there are there are tools that I use yeah, sure. on Android where I want to be able to see all the the networks around me and signal strength and stuff like that. I've I've got one. I had one on my my webOS phone. I had one, I have one on my Windows phone. I've got one on Android. Um, so you know there are there are places where that would be useful, but they should if you request that permission, you shouldn't be allowed to list it as a kids app, for example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I uh... I think I think Google Play needs to become more fine grained on this type of thing, um, because here's the thing, uh, the way Copa is written, it is explicit to web properties so an app doesn't count technically no though if if they're transmitting to a web service that may or may not if the third party is a web service which it is that's what they're transmitting to that might be the kicker um but it's possible that so all of this, while being inappropriate and at times creepy, like the the covertly doing geolocation uh, without requesting geolocation, um, it may not be uh, in violation of COPA, which is even stranger. So the the. The thing that the report brings up is exactly what we just talked about, is that you really, if you're using things in the store and you're allowing kids to use things in the store, just like, just like knowing what your, what your game or your app or your hardware requires from the cloud, you should, you should be looking into what the app may or may not be doing, um, or check out this report, which has a lot of information in it um, about the big guys um, to see to see what's going on. Or just know that the other possibility is just know and understand that apps transmit all kinds of weird information to all kinds of places and there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. So make your decision on what you're going to do, what you're going to use. If you're if there's advertising in your app, know that your location is being tracked in one way or another. I guess that's that's a big important thing. If there's so where's my water free? Probably since it's free has some sort of of advertising system in it. Know that your location is being tracked, guaranteed on a mobile device. No ad network will will work right without it. So, you know, just if you're if you're letting your kids use anything online, know that information's going all over the place. For right now, that's probably the only thing we can say, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no privacy anymore in this world. That is for sure. It's just a shame that we can't at least at least let kids have it. We would hope.
This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know your basic uh, capabilities. You know that you get free shipping, sometimes two day, sometimes one day, sometimes two hour. Um, but what you may not know is all the other cool stuff you get. Um, you get Amazon Prime Video, which gives you lots and lots of movies and TV shows that you can watch, uh, including original content included in your Prime subscription. You get Amazon Prime Music, which gives you uh, several million tracks available for free as part of your subscription that you can stream unlimited. Uh, you've got um, Twitch Prime, which, uh, which gives you two capabilities now. The first is that you get a free subscription on Twitch, which you can use to subscribe to anybody, including us. Uh, or you also get um, free games through uh, Twitch Prime that are um, just like using uh, Xbox Live or PlayStation Network, the games are yours. So there's those features and a whole bunch more, and you can find out about all of those features, and if you're not already a subscriber, get a 30-day free trial by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So... Obviously, you and I talk about new product announcements often. Companies are announcing new products all the time, new services, and we see them done in a variety of ways, you know, at big unveilings or, or booth unveilings at CES or next week at Collision, we'll see a lot of new products officially announced. Um, we see them at special events. Uh, like what Apple and Microsoft and Google do when they show off a new product. They tend to do it at a big, splashy event. Um, sometimes it's done just with a press release, and you and I get our email uh, emails flooded with new product <laughs> announcements every day. Um, one of the ways we don't often see is under oath during a testimony in federal court during a uh, antitrust hearing, <laughs> which certainly seems like a strange time and place to do such a thing. And so being, being the company that you can never quite predict, uh, AT&T's CEO did just that this week. He announced a new streaming service called AT&T Watch, which will be the slimline version <laughs> of uh, DirecTV Now, which is an online streaming uh, cable alternative. Uh, while, um, eight, when, while DirecTV Now, I think, starts at about $35 a month, uh, AT&T Watch will be uh, $15 a month and will be, like I said, a very slim line. Uh, it will not have any sports packages or anything like that. That's how they're gonna keep the price down. It's gonna be very slim line. It's going to be the equivalent of the old cable basic package, which gave you just the bottom channels. Um, but it's definitely interesting that it was announced during testimony in court. Seems like a strange place to announce it, theoretically. However, the reason why it happened was um, the testimony was about whether or not AT&T buying... Time Warner, not Time Warner Cable, because that is now part of Charter, um, 
but Time Warner, the content producer, whether or not that would uh, create harm to the customers. And what AT&T was saying was streaming is the way things are going. This isn't going to this isn't going to hinder streaming. In fact, um, we're creating a new low cost cable alternative. Which was an interesting argument. Obviously, obviously, packages like this, right, Avram, like um, PlayStation View or Sling TV, things like that are giving customers uh, a quote-unquote cable choice that they didn't used to have, right? Like, I think, I think you, at least in the old apartment, I don't know about where you are now, I believe you only had one choice, and I have one choice where I am. I can't, I don't have any... I have charter and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, I have two choices, but that's still not a great choice. Right. But, but with things like this, it starts to give you, you know, you could go with my guess is charter or Verizon are probably your choices, right? Uh, it's spectrum. No, it's like some, it's, it's it called now it was cable vision and oh. now they call it something else right it was um, it was the old place that had that had time warner no oh. cable vision it's the people like the people who owned it's op- optimum okay right right so so there's that and then there's there's verizon files and i have the files right now but um okay well but on in, those are the choices a duopoly is still not good and and that's for direct hardline but if you wanted to drop the the tv option there you could go with sling tv you could go with playstation view you could go with direct tv now at&t watch um so in that case his point is is accurate obviously the argument is that when when a cable operator like at&t because they've got both what used to be UVerse and uh, DirecTV owns a content producer, especially one as big as Time Warner, it might affect the prices of other services. That's their argument. Um, we didn't quite see that happen the way the doomsday uh, theorists suggested with uh, Comcast and NBC, but as the selection gets smaller, you might start to see it more. Yeah. I mean, look, when you have no competition, you don't have innovation and you don't have comp, you know, good, good prices. It's never good. It's never good for consumers. I mean, look at what's happening with the airline industry. Is there one airline? No, but there's so few airlines now that there's really no, there's not much competition and people are just, flying whatever they you know can get uh-huh. so you know whatever is whatever is available to them that has the flight that the time that they want and is reasonably priced so like you know you just kind of learn to live with things like being treated poorly by your airline because you don't you know another airline's just going to treat you the same way well you know same same difference with your cable so uh i mean I think that ultimately uh, the fact that companies don't want to be a dumb pipe, right, is, is right. going to be is could be very bad news for consumers. 
so far it hasn't totally materialized. Right. But let's not let's not uh, you know wipe the sweat from our collective brow or something yet. I mean, because like, the because the Comcast NBC Universal is the only it, as far as television is concerned is the only major pairing that we've seen. There are some smaller ones, but it's it's really the the only major one that we've seen. But, but if there but were some more, the, you might end up with some problems. But I mean, if you want to extend this across the spectrum of media, mm-hmm. Verizon owns Yahoo uh, and AOL and and the AOL properties and and all that. So though though they do seem to be um, parting with them at a strange rate lately because they they sold off movie phone two or three weeks ago they sold off Flickr this week I mean I'm just saying that like you know so you have you know you have net neutrality coming coming to an end basically right and you have a company that controls the pipe with its own media properties right with it how is it going with a tight with a collection of content right how are they going to treat competing content right and 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 and, i mean you do see this kind of thing happen with the um as well with like you know blackouts of channels right like yep isn't aren't the negotiations a bit more contentious uh when other non um comcast cable providers want to you know, pay for NBC and sci-fi channel and all that. Right. Although in, I guess in AT&T at that point in AT&T's defense, having something to fight back with (laughs) might be in their, might be in their best interest and in consumers best interest at that point. If that, if their goal is to carry all the channels, right. What happened? What happens if when they decide, you know what? I still want to work with this other company. Right. So, if you're a subscriber to my cable network, you can get my channel. Want the other person's channel? Tough luck. You know. Well, uh, uh, the former Bright House networks have had their own local networks that were exactly that. You had to be on Bright House to, uh, to get Bay News 9 and Sports 47 or whatever here in Tampa. Yes, we have that too. I mean, but. Like, but it's a it's a much smaller, more niche type content versus, um, you know, uh, USA Network. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's a difference, right? Yeah. Like, like, um, in um, when I lived in the city and I had Time Warner there, we had a channel called New York One, which was Channel One, which is a really great local news channel. Uh, and then when I moved moved away, and I, you know. Now I have Fios One, which is another local news channel, but not nearly as good as New York One. Um, you know, but that's sort of provided by the cable company, right. so you kind of kind of expect that. But um, you know, and it's, if it was your, it's much more much more nichey than something like you know, the USA Network or Sci-Fi. I mean, which you is could live a with, wider. You could live without the the you know local news sure, sure. without a local news channel Be- especially without the local news channel of the, of the place you no longer live or whatever but especially you know, especially when you've also on top of that you've got your nbc abc cbs and fox 
affiliates to choose from for local news as well. Right, and, exactly. And their, so, you know, their digital point one or point two in most major markets is a twenty-four hour local news network anyway. Right, exactly. So it's not like, but you know, if you say, hey, you know, you can't watch, um, you, you know, there's shows you want to watch, but you can't watch them unless you get a different provider. Right. You I mean, can, you can only get part. You can only watch the parts of the Olympics that are on the on the broadcast NBC. But CNBC, MSNBC, USA, all of those networks with Olympic coverage, you have to be on Comcast. And if you're on, not, if you're in Florida, sad story. I mean, there's also fragmentation sure. right now, right? Like uh, with streaming. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you think you're being a cord cut, being a cord cutter is going to save you, it's not. Like, yeah. I mean, you could buy all the services, but even then, you won't necessarily get everything. So right. like. I mean, I remember we did a story about this a few years ago on Tom's Guide, and we could probably do another because it changes all the time. But, like, there's certain shows on Hulu, but then others you can only get on Netflix. Yep. And then others you can only get on Amazon. And then others you can only get on Stars. Right. And, you know, like, like a couple, time you... a couple of months ago, Fox pulled all of their animated series from Netflix and made them Hulu exclusives, as an example. Right. So if you so want to watch Family Guy or Futurama, you got to be on Hulu. But if you want to watch other Fox shows, they might only be on Netflix. So like I want to, you know, I would like to watch Handmaid's Tale, but I'm not subscribing to a whole service just to watch that. Right. You know. Yeah. I I did, however, subscribe to a whole service to watch um, <laughs> to watch Star Trek. Oh, so, that's funny. That's, I knew I knew that was the next thing that was coming. <laughs> That was so that's hypocrisy, but I canceled it as soon uh, you know when the season but was up. That was that was worth more to me, right? Uh, to to be honest, but um, that was one I really wanted to see. And by the way, it was awesome. So you know, uh, it's worth it. And I would resubscribe again to CBS All Access for the duration of the next Star Trek season. But you know, it's it's strange fragmentation because they only have the one show that I want to watch. Yeah. I think a lot of people aren't going to pay just for that. Right. And and there's there's a lot of that right now in the streaming space in particular and but like we've talked about before that spaces tend to to balloon up when they get popular. Look at the the cryptocurrency market and then tend to pare themselves back down at some point in the future. But I, it was just an interesting way of announcing this new service, and um, I I look forward to seeing what comes on it. They say it will announce it will launch in just a couple of weeks, which suggests that it does not require that the um, acquisition be completed to uh, to make it happen. So I think that's that's an important factor of it too. But I I like the idea of there being a low cost like slimline entry in the the cable alternative streaming market. Hopefully they'll have, you know, a way to watch it not on the PC for those who want to be able to watch TV on their television. Well, hopefully they'll have a Roku app or, exactly. or a Fire app. Yeah. Well, that is our show. 
For those of you who have joined us live, thank you very much. We always appreciate our live viewers. Uh, we have had uh, several this evening. Thank you. Um, if you have not joined us live, you can do so Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. Um, if you would like to subscribe instead, you can always go to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe and see all of our series there. Um, next week is going to be an interesting uh, week. We will not be on Sunday night um, because our schedule has changed a little bit for Collision, but that is okay because we will be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from uh, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, uh, New Orleans time, so Central, so an hour off from Eastern. Uh, we will be on all day with a small break for lunch in the middle of the day. And then Wednesday night, we will be live streaming, um, not necessarily through our channels, but possibly also through our channels, um, a uh, crypto pitch session with the Crypto Vixens, which is an organization that got started at Collision last year at an event that we were at, and they've asked us to live stream it. So um, there will be a lot of content from us. Uh, and then the Sunday following that, we will also not have a show because we will not have the studio back in our possession here in Tampa to be able <laughs> to do the show. So um, unfortunately, that means that Avram and I will not be together for several weeks after this show. Um, but when we come back, we will we will have probably a slightly tuned uh, version of the Pilch Point for you with a more Tom's Hardware-focused uh, story, which I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that goes. Um, and I guess with that, before we go, I want to once again congratulate Avram on... Uh, on the Tom's Hardware promotion. And, uh, Thank you. And on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Aaron. And we will see you back in several weeks for F5 Live. We will see you uh, in eight days for collision coverage. Ciao.